the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. Thank you for coming. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Pro-America Report. And thank you for um, uh, passing it on to others. I want you to make sure other people get to hear it. If you go to ProAmericaReport.com, ProAmericaReport.com, you can sign up for the daily email, The Wink, what you need to know, The Wink. Daily Wink goes out 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific, uh, Monday through Friday. You'll get a link, some links. You'll get some, uh, you'll get more than one link. You'll get links to key stories, uh, usually uh, a um, link to one of these segments of the show, as well as uh, my sort of pithy, what you need to know thought for the day. You'll want to check it out. So uh, thank you for uh, going there and signing up. Follow me on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, on Facebook, Ed Martin Live, and all other places all over the place. You'll see it. Um, I mentioned that I testified uh, earlier this week in um, the uh, in the U.S. Capitol. I was it was before a committee of the House. It was chaired by Congressman Matt Gates of uh, Florida. It was convened by him. It was actually called a field hearing. So it wasn't a hearing of one of the particular committees, uh, but it was very interesting. There was about one, two, three, four, five, six witnesses uh, and there were at various times six or seven congressmen. And um, but he- here's so and it was about January 6th and it was excellent. It went on for a couple hours. Um, lots of interesting stuff. A couple of guy, one guy who had pled uh, uh, guilty to a charge, one guy who had been convicted, a woman whose husband is facing jail time. Um, Jerry Perna, the incredible uh, articulate aunt aunt of uh, Matt Perna, who ended up after all the travails they went through, ended up unfortunately killing himself was horrendous, but she's amazing spokeswoman um, for what she saw firsthand and what she believes, which is that the uh, department of justice and the prosecutors have been uh, abusive in, in many, many cases here. So it was a great testimony, but here's what I want to tell you. Um, A great, a great hearing. Here's what I want to tell you. It, It drove home for me. As I sat there, the power of lawfare, it drove home for me the power, we've talked about it before, of the use of the legal system against people. And you say, well, you know, it's a legal system is always used against a person, right? Or against an entity is run by a person. It can't be used against, uh, you know, uh, a, uh, the air or something. You know, it's got to be against something. And whether you believe corporations or persons, however you want to talk about that, there are people involved in any legal transaction. And when there is a criminal matter or uh, 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 often, let me say it differently, often there's one person who is the center of it, even if it's civil. Meaning if you're if you've got a civil lawsuit about your taxes, there's one person who either runs or owns the company or is the person who taxes. If it's a criminal case, there's one person or more that are at the center of it. You get the point. But lawfare is the use of the law against citizens and lawfare is acknowledged by uh certain people as something that they engage in now you say to yourself well i hope lawfare is the proper use of the law that's not what the word means anymore and so sitting at this table 
to my right, Jerry Perna talking about her nephew, Matt. The lawfare that I see most blatant in that matter was that after Matt Perna killed himself, and you cannot explain or understand suicide, nor should you, and you cannot blame, in my opinion, any one person for another person's suicide. I think that's very difficult to do. There may be facts that give you an indication, but you have to be careful. However, a few weeks after Matthew Perna died, one of the prosecutors in the case said to a Perna family member, well, geez, I wish she was. I wish she'd hung on for a little longer. We probably would have dropped that really, you know, horrendously difficult felony charge. Now, that's not what they said. What they actually said was, I sure wish she'd hung on for a few more uh, weeks. We, we probably would have dropped that charge. But the reality of that charge was a felony charge that was used and it has been used, is used, is being used, will be used to scare you into taking a plea deal of X or Y, because if you go for it and you get dinged with Z, you're going to get a lot more time. So people take a plea deal. That's the nature of it. And that's probably got to be the nature of the system because, you you know, you don't want everyone to have to go to trial. If they want to plead guilty and say, I did something and take responsibility, okay. That's not how the lawfare system is working. That's not how the prosecutor who said, oh, if he just hung on, he would have been okay. We, you know, we would have, that, that, that seems ugly. That seems the use of the law against the people in a way it's not. It shouldn't happen. Or the next person over was Brandon Straka, who is a well-known uh, Internet personality. He's the guy that founded Walk Away, and it's that he was a Democrat. He walked away from the Democrat Party when he got to understand that they were lying about Trump. This is six, seven years ago. Well, Brandon Straka didn't enter the Capitol on January 6th. But he was charged with being there and, and I don't know, uh, some sort of violation of, uh, of where he went on the grounds or something. And he pled guilty to it. So I don't know the specifics except to say, in addition, the lawfare extended, extension of lawfare was the business he ran, a 501c3, a nonprofit, as well as a 501c4 maybe or a super PAC or something, which was his way of communicating and making a living was shut down by all the big banks, PayPal and Bank of America. Everybody shut them down. That's lawfare. That's the use of the legal system or maybe legal requirements against people. Nothing, nothing can do about it. Maybe I got to find a better way to describe the expansion of this. But sitting at the same set of tables, and the last one I want to get to is um, uh, Attorney General Jeff Clark, who is an ac- actually was the acting Attorney General of the United States, having served as an assistant Attorney General. These are the highest jobs with the most responsibility and the most sophistication. I mean, you really have a complex system to manage when you're attorney general or deputy attorney general like he was. And General Clark, just last week, the Bar Association in Washington, D.C. has bought a bar complaint against him and is forcing him to a kind of trial, not for some egregious misconduct, but but because they disagree, in my opinion, with his recommendations to his boss, Donald Trump. And the real reason is they don't like Trump. That's lawfare. It's happening to Sidney Powell in bar associations. It's happening to Rudy Giuliani, Jenna Ellis. Those are specifically targeted. There's a group that was founded. I've told you before, the 65 committee is was founded and funded by the left to go after lawyers who helped after 2020. How dare you articulate and argue that there might be a problem? That's exactly the system. You get to argue if there's a problem, and if there isn't, then you lose the case. And if it's so egregious, 
that you lose the case in such a way. Sometimes you pay legal fees, your client, but you don't want a system where you weaponize bar complaints and disagreements. And so here we are with lawfare. Here we are with lawfare. I, I In my testimony before this committee, I mentioned that the uh, expansion of this obstruction of official proceeding, it's a felony used against people. It was never intended for obstruction of official proceeding as it is characterized by the jury members in one of the cases. She said, oh, yeah, you know, oh, yeah, you go there and you, you, you disrupt Congress. That's it. That's not what the law is. That wasn't why it was passed. It was passed for witness tampering of specific proceedings that were occurring, not a dramatic gaveling in of an event by Mike Pence. So, and then we slide towards Trump and the ongoing lawfare. And you're watching, again, Department of Justice, uh, Attorney General, uh, excuse me, District Attorney in New York, pick a place, you know, civil suits. It turns out that the civil suit in New York, the the woman that sued uh, Trump, it uh, it has been reported. I don't know how to confirm it, but I think it was known from court. She didn't pay for that suit. High pi- high price lawyers, high powered lawyers. She didn't pay for it because it was paid for by some left leaning donor. We're weaponizing the law legal system against we the people, and that's bad. No matter who you are, did I say no matter? No matter who you are, that's bad. It should worry you. You should think, oh, they might target me if I'm a poor African-American guy. They might target me if I'm a, uh, a a minority that's disliked or something. You could think that. Right now, it's viewpoint focused. If you're a MAGA guy or you're conservative, you're gonna, they're going to try to cancel you. They're going to try to use lawfare against you. They're going to try to bar license challenge, all that stuff. And lawfare is on the march. And the problem is, as Tucker Carlson said in his one of his recent videos, it's it, it's kind of what a dictator does. You don't actually march in and and uh, and you know kind of say oh, I don't care what the law is. I'm going to do this, this, and this. You distort the law and the application of the law and the justice system in such a way that if you're Hillary and you take a hammer to your cell phones and wipe your server that you hide in your bathroom or not in your bathroom and your yeah well, I think it was your bathroom or your your laundry room or something. You don't get charged because they like you and they don't want your secrets to come out. But if you're Trump Trump and you take home documents that you're allowed to take home and that the Presidential Records Act says you can take home and you don't answer their requests for them back, even though you think they're yours and you don't answer fast enough, you're going to get charged with obstruction. Lawfare, whether it's Jeff Clark, former attorney general, whether it's Donald Trump, Brandon Straka, Matt Perna, other J6 defendants, it's on the march. And whether you think the guy in charge is a dictator, it feels and seems like what dictators do. Very, very worrying. We'll take a break. We'll be back in one moment. We'll talk with uh, we'll talk with a new guest, uh, uh, Jamie uh, Glazov, who has written a book and edited a book on Barack Obama's true legacy and a lot more. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro America Report, back in a moment. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Really pleased to talk to our next guest, uh, the an author, an editor. Uh, Jamie Glassoff is a Ph.D. also in history um, and is uh, over at Front Page Magazine, which, of course, is David Horowitz's uh, shop. And we love David Horowitz. He also hosts a TV show on the web, The Glassoff Gang, and uh, has written a couple of other books. But his newest book, which is he's the editor of, is called Barack Obama's True Legacy, How He Transformed america i got an email from somebody telling me about it and i said yep i want that one and they, he sent it to me and i plowed through it my listeners know uh, jamie that i do love books and so i love getting books and reading them. but i went through this also because it's edited with uh you know sort of different authors writing different chapters it's a bite-sized chunk so it's great so welcome jamie to the program how are you sir fantastic what an honor and privilege to be here ed thank you so much for inviting me well, thank you, Jamie. First, this the idea for this book, the famous quote, uh, fundamentally transform America, Obama said, and you sat down. There's a million ways you could go at this. How did you how did you pick who to write for this? How did you sort of piece it together? Well, that's a great question. Well, look, I've met a lot of people over the years, and I, I'm always visualizing people in my brain and what they believe and how they stand. And look, I just a lot of communication, a lot of discussion, and uh, just brought, you know, we got 18 great essays in there, very powerful, and we brought 11 of the best around the world that know Obama the best. And uh, and in my heart, Ed, my, my parents are from the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. We uh, we escaped that hellhole, but now the Soviet Union has come to us. And so Obama is part of that enterprise. Mm. And he planted the seed and he fer- fertilized the soil in terms of the catastrophe we're seeing now. And uh, that story has to be told. Uh, interesting you said that. The, the, I was I was going to ask you in my notes here, the one I was interested in is chapter 15 when Daniel Greenfield wrote, but mm-hmm. I want to stop and go first, though, because you mentioned the mm-hmm. way you phrased it. The very first chapter is something, and I didn't really know John Drew, uh, the author mm-hmm. of that chapter. It's Obama, the young communist I knew. It's interesting t- to reflect on what who we elected to be president. Oh, absolutely. And that had to be told John Drew. I mean, everybody's got to get this book. Just read John Drew's chapter because, Ed, we don't know anything about Obama. Yeah, we don't. I mean, so much is hidden. And John Drew, you know, he goes and a lot of people don't even remember being around him where he says he was. So, you know, John Drew, you know, they went to university together and uh, Obama was a Marxist and they used to argue whether the revolution has to be done right away or whether it evolves slowly. And then uh, Jeff Nyquist has a piece in there on uh, Obama's Russia collusion and also talks about Obama's past, who he was born to, and uh, what what, uh, you know, there's some very scary things that people were saying about Obama, too, at a Russian dinner in 1990. Just very interesting stories that we have to bear in mind and calculate, you know, what. Well, what and, and, we, and, and, and some what, in some ways, in some ways, uh, tell me I'm wrong. But Jamie, again, I guess is Jamie Glassoff and the book is from Republic Book Publishers, uh, who I appreciate too. Al Regnery, Eric Campman. Um, and, and, uh, it's called Obama's, uh, Barack Obama's true legacy, how he transformed America. Um, in some ways, 
That was the pivot. To me, Obama's election was the pivot. From there, the acceleration, the chapter I was going to ask you about is Obama enabling of racial strife and domestic terror. He, he looks like a piker compared to the current moment, but he started this. He started us into this acceleration. And uh, that was Daniel Greenfield's chapter. I mean, oh, he, th- that, yeah. that was the marker. That was the change, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. In Ferguson, when the Ferguson riots are on and uh, Greenfield documents the behavior of the Obama administration and, you know, how Obama, when he was campaigning, would always talk about how this isn't a blue America. It's not a red America. We are America. You know, he talked a good game. But that's that's how these Alinskyites and leftists and Marxists, how they figured out how to gain power. It's not by growing your long hair and flipping tables over and screaming. It's by getting a haircut and putting on a tie and a jacket and mm-hmm. mingling with the middle class and mingling with the people you want to destroy and pretending you're among them. But yeah, absolutely. Pretending you want to end racial tensions and racial strife but then pouring fuel on the fire and and greenfield really shows how obama he paved the road he again he fertilized the soil he planted the seeds for what later began to really really ignite with the george floyd narrative etc etc but ed i just want to say try to say this very quickly dr um dr daniel pipes has documented Obama's Muslim youth and childhood. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying anything was wrong with that. Right. It's just a fact. Right. Now, years later, he's some kind of quote unquote Christian with Jeremiah. Right. Right. Ed, why has it never been asked? What was your religious journey? And when was your conversion yeah. moment? Now, it's just it's something that's very important to bring up just in terms of that case and and uh, just the mystery around this guy. The fact that there's some kind of apostasy in play because he he uh, allegedly or apparently somehow is not Muslim. We just never got the story. We don't know what this religious journey is. We're not allowed to ask, but it's very are very, very significant in terms of uh, the Cairo speech that he made later and unleashed the Muslim Brotherhood. He unleashed the Islamists. And uh, just speaking of that, uh, Raymond Ibrahim, what a chapter in our book, an honor to have him in our book, but he documents how Obama enabled also not just the killing of Jews and Americans, but of of Christians, the persecution of Christians throughout I did the world. That, that was that that was a um, again new to me. Um, our guest is uh, Jamie Glassoff, and he's the editor of Barack Obama's True Legacy: How He Transformed America. As he mentions, these eighteen essays. When you get done with it, you really put it down and think, "Holy cow!" In in every aspect of American life, uh, dramatic changes in the, in the period since Obama was in. What what? But uh, Jamie, how, you know, again, you you got a you got a big perspective. You're a historian. Um, what's the what could the future be? I mean, can you envision a transformative, uh, like a, not a reversal, but a, a different transformation? I mean, can can America first uh, or something like it be a transformation um, or are we just on a, a slope that feels slippery? Thank you, Ed, for asking that. You know, a lot of people don't want to hear bad news. Right. Um, and we always have to have hope. And, right. you know, I'm a Christian and a lot of this, I mean, definitely we have to pray and it's all in the Lord's hands. But but when the Bolsheviks take over, it is a train that goes 
with power and force and they're very clever and they're brilliant and evil and shrewd. And we're seeing that happening in the United States. We're mm-hmm. seeing a Bolshevik coup and a Bolshevik revolution everywhere we look, whether we look at all of a sudden we've got all these trannies shaking their behinds in children's faces and you're not allowed to say anything. And if you do, the FBI is taking down your license plate in a parking lot because you're a domestic terrorist. We see what's happening at the border. We see what's happening with the economy. I mean, it's uh, it's a bleak picture, Ed. Obama, again, planted the seeds for this. And this is his third term. And uh, And what they're doing to Trump right now. I mean, look, you think this is new? You think this came out of nowhere? No. Look back. Joe Klein writes an essay in our book on Obamagate. What Obama, no, the FBI was going to close that investigation of Flynn, but Obama kept it going because of his vindictiveness and how much he hates Flynn. And what you saw happening to Flynn, we just see round two and round three now against Trump. Right. Um, but look, the, the picture looks very bad. The left is in control. The left is cooperating with the globalists. Uh, they're taking America down to build their one world, uh, quote unquote, utopia. Uh, but there's always hope. There's always hope in speaking the truth and what you're doing and what I'm doing and allying with each other and praying and getting the truth out there. There was a miracle when, you know, when Trump won, that was a miracle. Yeah, Miracles right. are possible. Yep. And a miracle can happen again. Well, I first of all, thank you. That's great. That's a great way. Um, I'm just uh, time flies unbelievably, and we're out of time. But uh, thank you for the book and for that and for being out there. I will put up on social media links to this again. Jamie Glassoff is the uh, is the editor of this book. In fact, I mentioned I did, Barry the lead. General Flynn has a v- powerful forward. Uh, the book is Barack Obama's True Legacy: How He Transformed America. Republic Book Publishers. Uh, thank you, Jamie, and keep at it. And we'll have you back again soon. So grateful uh, that, you know, I was able to come on your show, Ed. Thank you for giving me some time. You're a great guy and you have a great program. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Have a great day. Thanks. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. I was just uh, speaking off the air with our next guest. Jeffrey Stevens is an author. Uh, he is in his previous life. He has uh, practiced law. He's uh, it is, The books that I first got uh, clued in on him are the Jordan Sandor Seer Thrillers. There's a series of those. But the book I want to talk to him about, I mentioned earlier, Jeffrey, was Fool's Errand, a novel of yours from a few years ago, which I found so uh, interesting, fun. It's about a, a guy who is his father has passed away six years before, and he goes on this uh, search to figure out what was what's at the heart of this mystery of his uh, his father, who was a kind of uh, minor uh, criminal or something, minor sort of mobster. And it's all about fathers and fatherhood and all, and it's great. So, uh, Jeffrey Stevens, welcome back to the program. How are you? Good. Thanks so much for having me back, Ed. Well, it's great to have you back. And I know I've got, I just said to you off the air, your, your newer book is called The Handler, and we'll get you on again to talk about that. But this uh, book, Fool's Aaron, first of all, I, Post Hill Press publishes. How'd you come to write this one? It's really very personal. You can feel it. How'd you come to write this one? Well, I always wanted to write a book about my dad who did die when, when he was young. I was 22. He was 50. And... um I came up with something and, you know, a lot of times people have these conversations. It's sort of thing maybe, you know, you have when you're in a a school dormitory in college or something or whatever. People just sitting around having cocktails and you say, 
if there's one person that you could spend a day with, who would that be? And a lot of people say it would be Jesus Christ. Some people say it would be Winston Churchill, you know, but a lot of people say, gosh, if I had one more day with my dad or my mom. So I came up with this premise for a story, which is, as you mentioned, that the, the narrator is a young man who six years after his father's death finds a letter in a box of papers in the attic as his mother's moving out of their family house and going to Florida. And he finds this letter, and this is no spoiler alert because it happens right in the beginning, and the letter discloses this father's claim because the father, as you said, was a ne'er-do-well, and he never got anything right in life at all. But this one he says is for real, and there's this treasure, and that if his son ever gets this letter, he should track this down. And so we've got this young man who's led this completely straight-laced life, unlike his dad, and now he's got to figure out, does he just put this letter in a drawer and say, oh, that dad, what a silly guy, or does he pursue his father's dreams? And we know what he does, because the book is called Fool's Errand, (laughs) and and he winds up up being an international treasure hunt. And so it was a lot of fun. I got to, in answer to your question about fathers and sons, I got to examine a lot of experiences that I had with my dad, and so the dad, even though he had died earlier, he becomes a character in the book through the reminiscences and the things that occurred and it was just great fun for me to write i never wrote a book that was easier to write than this one and and people tend to love it i don't say that out of you know yeah yeah yeah. i want to sound vain but people love it because they say boy when i got done reading this book the first thing i wanted to do was call my mom or my dad if you're lucky enough to have your parents living and that so that's the source of the book uh, Je- uh, Jeffrey Stevens is our guest, and uh, I mentioned he's got l- lots of books he's written. If you go over and look at Amazon or somewhere, you'll see he's got all these different books. This one is called Fool's Errand. It's it's good for Father's Day. It's good for uh, thinking about family. But uh, so one thing, uh, Jeffrey, was your dad a ne'er do well? I hate to say it like that, but was did he have a, 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 a you know was it a difficult his life difficult and sort of not successful? Yes, in the in in the interest of full disclosure, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There's a lot of there's a lot of me in this book, and there's a lot of my father. Um, he was a very very interesting Italian American character in New York City, and a lot of that comes through in the story. Um, he was always reaching for that brass ring that he could never quite grasp, and he did not have a successful life in business, and he was not a professional. And I mean, he wasn't any kind of like an evil guy or anything like that, but he was, mm-hmm. he was a tough customer, but I learned a lot from him in life. And a lot of that comes through in the book. And I hope, really hope that when people read this, they read it in the context of thinking about their own parents, because here's one thing, one of the messages I really wanted to give that even after your parents are gone, they are still such an amazing influence on us because they were there at the beginning. They yeah. raised us a basic personality traits, our quality, whether we have integrity or not, whether we're honest or not, that all comes from those early days for most of us. And so when people read it, I hope they're thinking of their own parents because that's the point of the book. Uh, again, Jeffrey Stevens, our guest, Post Hill Press is the uh, publisher. I, I love those guys over there. Fool's Aaron is the book. Um, a different part of that, though, that I have to tell you, I, I and my dad's, my dad, you remind me of my dad, who's still living. He's a lawyer and he's very, he's been very successful and is a pretty well adjusted guy ish and uh, all that. But, but I also thought when I, re- when I read this and I was reading, rereading parts of it, I'd marked it up. Blackie is the father and then the, the son is in pursuit of this fool's errand. One of the things I thought, Jeffrey, was every like you're such a success, right? You have all these books, a successful lawyer, all that stuff. And yet every one of us feels like Blackie looked to his son. If you get my drift. In other I words, do. you're we're all sort of 
we all feel like losers. And somehow when you get to the point where the, at the end of the book, you say this blackie father, he 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 was a full role. And maybe that's I hate to sound like that Nicholson movie, but maybe that's as good as it gets. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Uh, Maxwell Perkins, the famous editor of Hemingway and Fitzgerald and Thomas Fulton said, every good deed a man does is to please his father. That's number one. <laughs> number two. Right. Number two is the, I guarantee you that the only person in the world who wants you to be more successful than he is, is your dad. No mm. one else roots for that the way your father <laughs> does. <laughs> That's pretty good. And, I like that. And so, so for me, <laughs> That was the fun of this is that to see it through his eyes and to see it through the son's eyes and going after this dream that his father had and whether it's real or not, the reader will come to see. But it's all about that sort of thing that you're talking about, the the integrity, the emotions and how we judge ourselves and the growth of the young man who is the narrator of the book from the beginning to the end. I mean, it's not a long book. But as you know, but but from the beginning to the end, he's a different person. He's grown up right. largely because of what his father's done for him. And what what's better than that? The other thing about it, again, Jeffrey Stevens, our guest, uh, the book is Fool's Aaron. It's a novel, Post Hill Press. Find it anywhere they sell books. It's good for Father's Day. The other part of this, Jeffrey, to me was um, that, especially now, you know, I think I'm right. I I, I guess I got a, a details gone, but did Blackie and and uh, his wife stay married? I don't think the family broke up, or maybe they did. But doesn't, oh no, doesn't, no no no, they stayed married. Yeah, oh, yeah. It does doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in this sense. But in a world where there's so much divorce, so many broken families, so much going on, my point is. You don't have to have a broken family to have good old fashioned dysfunction. And you don't have to have, uh, to, to have success in relation to the, the people in your life, your father in this case. You don't have to have perfection. And, and somehow it's kind of the, the book gives you some, but it's really fun, by the way. It's a clever story and it moves along. Um, and there's lots of fun things. I, I, I like the, the, uh, the style of the, of the narrator, but, but it sort of sends that message. I think that's another part of it. It's kind of, you know, it, it, everybody comes from a broken family in, in a certain sense you know that and, you know not to be too dramatic but you all work it out and that's no, the beauty of working it out i'm so with you no family is perfect and as i have a friend who's got a great line apropos what you're saying which is families put the fun in dysfunction <laughs> <laughs> that's right that's pretty good that's also pretty good the um did you ever want to when you finished this one did you want to write on that again did you've had a series of books you've been very successful i think three or four uh for the early one other series did this is there another one that pulls through on this or is it was this a sort of one-off no, this is this is a one-off. Uh, although I do have other books coming up that, that have already been written and we're going to be we're going to be publishing. And thank you for asking. But but this book is a standalone in the sense of that relationship between the father and the son, because as you know, at the end, the the son is complete with this. Yeah. And that that's where I wanted to get to. I didn't want this to be some dangling dangling participle at the end. I wanted yeah, yeah. this to be a, a a book that. And as you point out, by the way, there's a lot of funny stuff in this book. I mean, there are, there are laugh out loud scenes. There yep. are there are scenes that'll get a tear to your eye. That's what the book's about. Well, and that's the thing, Jeffrey uh, Jeffrey Stevens, our guest. It's different to me. It's different than your other books. Now, I've only read four four maybe four or five of your books. Yeah, there are four, four Sandors. Thank you. Yeah, there's and, four Sandors. There's a uh, crimes and passion which is a murder mystery and then the new one the handler and there's a, a sequel to that coming out in the fall but but fool's errand is different by the yeah. way not to be commercial about this but jeffrey <laughs> stevens stevens is with a ph so if you look for me on amazon look for stevens with a ph and you'll the, find all of these books there yeah that's an experience
experienced guy. You did that with me one other time. You make sure well, I'll make sure to put up on social media correctly. <laughs> Unfortunately, hey, we're out of time, Jeffrey. Somewhere uh, in the in the heavens, uh, your your father is uh, is is proud of you on this Father's Day. So thanks for the book and thanks for coming on. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to you and to everybody. God bless. All right. Thank you, Jeffrey S. Stevens. I will put up on social media to his uh, spell his name and his website and links to the book. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we're upholding the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly, grassroots activist, author of 27 books, and articulate voice for traditional values for more than 70 years. And now, from the archives of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, here is Phyllis Schlafly. Most Americans are familiar with and enjoy hearing Lee Greenwood's patriotic song that includes the famous line, God Bless the USA. The Greenwood song had been scheduled to be sung by the kids at an assembly at Stallbrook Elementary School in Bellingham, Massachusetts. The school administrator decided to censor God out of the song and replace him with, We Love the USA. This is another example of the public school's effort to secularize America and remove all references to God from every public place and school event. An online poll taken by the local television station indicated that more than 80% of viewers were outraged by removing God from the song. Rush Limbaugh chimed in to defend the Greenwood lyrics. After the parents objected to the school's decision, the school officials issued a statement saying that no songs would be performed because of political correctness. After more confusion and protests, the superintendent released a statement that students would be allowed to sing or not sing, God bless the USA, whatever each kid preferred. Meanwhile, Lee Greenwood issued a statement saying, The most important word in the whole piece of music is the word God, which is also in the title, God Bless the USA. The song is played at every naturalization ceremony behind the national anthem. If the song is good enough to be played and performed in its original setting under those circumstances, it surely should be good enough for our children. Christians had better wake up and realize the determination of the secularists to censor out every public and school reference to God. The First Amendment does not require that, and we should not let the school officials get by with such offensive decisions saying that they just want to be politically correct. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When America turns our back on our Christian heritage, we shouldn't be surprised when biblical precepts like honesty, kindness, respect, justice, and freedom are abandoned. At phyllisschlafly.com, we still believe in rights endowed by our Creator. If you agree, find out more at phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening to the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Pro-America Report. We're going to wrap things up here at the end of the show. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for supporting this uh, great program, and thank you for supporting Ed and his work uh, to get the truth to you, to talk to interesting guests, to uh, educate not just you and, and me, but him himself as he gets to learn from these folks. It's a wonderful endeavor, and we appreciate you so much. It wouldn't happen without you, the listener, uh, who faithfully um, makes sure to, to tune in and then send this and share it with friends and family. So thank you. Uh, and I'll also give you your other reminders 
reminder, go to ProAmericaReport.com. That's the best place to go find it. Share it from there and uh, send it on to someone else. That's where you'll find all of the standalones, all the podcasts, all of the links, the notes, uh, everything that you need, the resources related to this show. Uh, But let me go ahead and tell you about one more opportunity. I know Ed probably will as well. We're going to talk about it a lot next week because we're going to be in the middle of it. But... There is an event. If this kind of thing is interesting and exciting to you, I'm going to tell you about a live stream event that you need to know about. Our 30th annual Phyllis Schlafly Collegians Summit, the Leadership Summit for college students, uh, but you're invited to anyone. We, we've always uh, allowed conservatives uh, of every age, uh, anyone who identifies <laughs> as, a, as a young person, as an activist in the conservative movement, uh, to steal a phrase from the left there, uh, we welcome you. So uh, please share this particular with college uh, students that you know, with students uh, of any age, high school or college, but uh, we want everyone to tune in and benefit from the great information. The 30th annual Phyllis Schlafly Collegians Leadership Summit is coming up next Tuesday, June the 20th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. So 5 o'clock Eastern Time, 4 Central, 3 Mountain, 2 Pacific, you know the drill. Sign in and make sure that you are watching the Phyllis Schlafly Collegians Leadership Summit. This year's theme is the power of patriotism. Uh, That was very important to Phyllis Schlafly, uh, our old boss, uh, who uh, Ed and I both uh, worked with until she passed away in 2016. And we have continued to keep it uh, over here at the day job that we have at the forefront of what we do. Uh, one of Phyllis's favorite phrases was for God, family, and country. The work that we are doing for God, family, and country. She understood not just that America's awesome, but why America is great. And that's why it was so important when uh, folks like Trump have come forward and, and resonated that mess uh, and, and spoken that message, make America great again. It resonated so much with Phyllis Schlafly, with her followers, supporters, with conservatives everywhere because we understand it's not just nationalism for the sake of nationalism. It's not just, yay, America, fireworks, guns, freedom, and things like that. It's America is wonderful, and we love her because of what she stands for, because of freedom and liberty, reliance upon each other, your community, self-reliance, because of self-governance, because of the rule of law, because of the uh, due process that we have uh, put into our civil laws to afford to people. America stands for something. She stands for several things, and those things are what we love. That is why I am patriotic. I love our nation. I love our flag. It's not just because it's a pretty flag. It's not just because, yeah, America. It's because of what it stands for. So we're going to be talking about that with a lot of incredible people next Tuesday. Uh, Again, Tuesday night, uh, 5 o'clock Eastern Time. Go to phyllisschlafly.com slash collegians. There you can register for this event. You will get notified. You'll get links. You'll be able to watch the whole thing uh, streaming. And it is going to be an incredible night from about 5 o'clock until later on into the evening. Uh, We're going to be going through some incredible people, congressmen. Uh, We're going to have activists and experts, leaders in the conservative movement. Uh, Just a few I know that are coming. uh, uh, Catherine Engelbrecht of True the Vote. She is an awesome force for securing and maintaining the integrity of U.S. elections, the very mechanism of our representative republic she's going to be with us mike davis an incredible voice on judicial activism and fighting back against a leftist bench fighting back against um, everything that would seek to tear away our uh, textualist originalist uh, judicial system the federal judiciary that ought to be in its proper role mike is an incredible resource on that uh, we're also going to talk to some other folks mike howell from the heritage uh, action uh, group i think the heritage oversight project i forget the name of the specific thing but th- uh, he's going to be there as well there are some 
great voices, some excellent people to learn from, to be inspired by, that we are going to hear from. It's growing all the time, and it's going to be a really neat program. I hope you will join us and be with us, because that is going to be something that I believe will help us kick off this next year, year and a half that we're running up toward the 2024 election, to understand not just the politics, but the values behind what we're fighting for. To understand not just the nationalist, yay, you know, good for my nation, but why that matters and why we love America. There are so many incredibly important things that we need to know, and there are some really important foundations and values beneath it all. This is going to be a great opportunity for us to all get together and do that, and especially this is geared toward students, toward the next generation of leadership, our high school and college in particular students that are coming up to stand in the gap for our nation and speak the truth, as we've just talked about a lot this show, to speak the truth, to be bold, to say the uh, common, ordinary, average things that we don't even maybe think should have to be said, but they do. And we need to speak them boldly so that we gather to us all of those who agree and support it and will help us move forward uh, in maintaining the freedom that our wonderful nation has so grateful, uh, has, has given to us and the people who have, uh, who have sacrificed so much uh, to protect that and maintain it. It's an incredibly important thing, uh, the power of patriotism. We're going to talk about it Tuesday night. Go to phyllislafley.com slash collegians. Uh, you will not be sorry. And don't forget, go to proamericareport.com. That's where you'll get all of the resources, the uh, standalones, and the podcasts for this show, the Pro America Report. Grateful to Ed for being such a solid leader on this and marching forward with great interviews and uh, great uh, what you need to know and all the other things. Uh, looking forward to him being back tomorrow. Uh, grateful to Noah Dingley, our fearless technical director, who's always uh, getting our technicalities going and keeping us on time. And uh, grateful for all of the folks uh, out there that listen and support this show by sharing it, by bringing on board family and friends and your uh, your uh, co-workers and, and all of your sphere of influence, bringing them into understanding what America's about, why we love her, what we can do to protect her. So uh, until the next time, until tomorrow, thank you for joining us, and we will see you tomorrow right back here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 